It is an unfortunate fact that the elderly are taken advantage of every day. While the estate planning and government assistance laws are quite complex and ever-changing, how do you keep track of them? Through elder law attorney Michael Cohen. He's there for you to answer any of your planning questions in a way that you and your loved ones will easily understand. Mike has devoted his entire career to dutifully informing and protecting our parents and grandparents, aunts and uncles, anyone in need. Join us now to learn more about estate planning essentials with Michael Cohen and co-host Don Crawford Jr. Here now are Michael and Don. I welcome you once again to another Estate Planning Essentials program. My name is Don Crawford, Jr., the proud owner of KWAM Radio and co-host of this program, which is seeking to demonstrably protect your family, your assets, and you. And I'm sitting with my co-host, my attorney, my friend, uh, who should at least be your attorney, and his name is Michael Cohen. Hello, Michael. Hello, Don, and happy holidays happy to holidays you. Happy holidays to you. Happy cold holidays to you. We talked about it last week. It hasn't changed. It's still cold. You fix other things. Fix the weather, too, please, if you don't mind. <laughs> I'll leave that to the um, meteorologist. My goodness. Uh, every time I watch TV and I look at the news and the weather, my goodness, it's cold and it's not going to let up. So hopefully it will soon and we'll get back to where we should be or warmer. In the meantime, uh, this program is at least reliable and consistent. And today we want to talk about those issues that affect a lot of our listeners, and that is Medicaid once again and perhaps Lady Bird Deeds after and maybe the new changes that are going to affect next year. Yeah. Um, the reason why we talk about Medicaid a lot of times is most people don't have long-term care insurance. And when you don't have long-term care insurance, um, unfortunately, Medicare does not take care of long-term care costs, at least uh, for the great majority of time. There mm-hmm. is a, some limited situation if somebody has a three-day hospitalization stay where they could get 20 days for, let's say, rehab and up to additional 80 days for a co-payment if you have a Medicare supplement that might even cover. So the most you could have uh, after a three-day three and three-night stay in a hospital is 100 days coverage. But, you know, gee, a lot of people have either Alzheimer's or some sort of dementia-related disease or all sorts of um, uh, ailments. People have strokes, whatever. Mm-hmm. And the cost of care is really great. And Texas is not is actually less expensive than many states. Right. But in Texas, the average is over seven thousand a month, yeah. and some facilities are over ten thousand a month. And, and it's so, not going down, is it? No, no. You know, yeah, yeah. everybody always says it's the cost of living. I, I always wondered why funeral homes and cemeteries they say we're we're raising prices because the cost of living. Does that make sense to you? <laughs> no comment. <laughs> they call it the cola, the cost of living adjustment. There. Right. adjusting things. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. anyway, everything seems, uh, a lot of different things are going up. And resu- as a result, you know, of course, Social Security is going up 8.7%. Uh, and similarly, mm-hmm. the limits on different programs like Medicaid, they have different limits as well. Last week, we talked about veterans benefits. And uh, by the way, we have podcasts of each show. So mm-hmm. if that's something of interest, anybody could just click on our website at dallaselderlawyer.com, dallaselderlawyer.com. Uh, this time, we're going to talk about uh, one of the biggest things that most people are concerned about, and that's your home. 
Now, a lot there's a lot of misconceptions in connection with Medicaid. A lot of people say, oh, you got to sell your home to get eligible for Medicaid, and you have to get down to next to nothing. Uh, and that's not true. That's uh, a myth. Uh, a, the home, if you're married, it doesn't count no matter what the value of the home is. Now, mm. most people, if you have a multi-million dollar home, are not applying for Medicaid. Uh, but if you um, are married, uh, technically you could have that, and it wouldn't cause a resource as long as the well spouse doesn't die first. Interesting. Uh, if you're, but there, if you're single, uh, the equity limit, the equity. So if you have a, like a mortgage, that would reduce the equity by the amount of that which is owed on the home. Uh, if the equity limit. Uh, it, it right now is increasing from in year 2022, it was 636,000. It's going up to 688,000 if you're single as of January 1st. Hmm. So when you apply for long-term care Medicaid, which helps pay that long-term care cost that Medicare doesn't pay. So let's say you're single and you had Social Security income of $1,500 a month, and the average, your facility cost was $7,000 a month, you might be saving $5,500 a month in long-term care cost uh, if you could get eligibility for Medicaid. The home doesn't count as an asset. We just said if the equity limit, let's say you're single, uh, and that equity limit is $688,000, uh, is doesn't count as an asset if it's less than that 688, uh, and there is an intent to return home. Now, a lot of times people will never come back home, but you say that there's an intent to return home. Everybody wants to come home, uh, and so if you say there's an intent to return home, it will not count as an asset for Medicaid. Now, let's say that the home, um, this doesn't happen very often because most people's are, homes are uh, less than 688, but let's say you had a $700,000 equity home. You bought a home, and of course, home prices have increased in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and throughout Texas and throughout the country, I imagine. Um, and let's say, so, hmm, I need to get eligibility for Medicaid. So somebody, I said the equity limit, remember? So let's say that there's a loan against the home. Let's say the child um, want, borrows money, or the, excuse me, the applicant bar, uh, borrows, uh, so there's a lien on the home. Mm-hmm. Let's say you want to, um, uh, so now um, there's this loan, so there's more debt, and now the, uh, let's say the applicant uh, has gotten uh, money uh, because of the loan. Which would be a home equity loan or a second mortgage? Yeah, 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 uh-huh, okay. yeah, yeah. Uh, but it might be from the child. Understood. Yeah, uh, to the, or to the child. And so now let's say you got 15000 because we had to get below the limit of 688 And then with the 15000 you buy something that doesn't count, like a pre-need funeral. So a pre-need funeral, the government doesn't want to pay for the cost of a funeral, so they encourage you to take care of it. So now, even if your assets were too great, you get down below the limit by buying this exempt resource. So think of uh, Medicaid a lot of times like bankruptcy law. There are certain things that do not count, a home, a car, a pre-need funeral, your personal property items. Last week, we mentioned on the uh, show on veterans benefits that although an IRA counts for uh, 
as an asset for veterans benefits, it does not count as long as there's traditional, if it's a traditional IRA and there's required minimum distributions. There's also some different um, uh, exceptions, the rules regarding transfers and things like that. So everything has to be considered. The reason, again, for doing this is to save that, in, in our example, if the person was single, uh, we want to, we said in our example, if the income was 1500 and the cost of care was 7000 the cost of the facility, uh, and not to mention medications, the person would save an awful lot of money. Uh, I should also mention in Texas, we do not have filial responsibility laws. I hate that word. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah we're, uh, a lot of states um, have it where the child is responsible for the debts of a parent. Mm-hmm. Um, Texas does not have that, but it doesn't mean that if somebody moves to another state that a child could have some liability. Like California, you taught us how yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the worst state I've, I've always mentioned was Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Yeah, uh, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there was the famous, I say famous, uh, in the elder law world where the, uh, uh, the, the child who was estranged from his uh, mother or father, I can't remember which, um, had uh, and had two kids in college, uh, had uh, had to pay for parents' care costs, which in Pennsylvania would be more expensive than Texas. Okay. So, uh, so there, it, we've kind of gotten away from filial responsibility laws, and probably will continue to do so. Uh, but Texas doesn't have that. But a lot of times, people do ask. I just don't want to have liability for my parent. Uh, but anyway, Medicaid will help pay for the cost of care, but you got to go by their rules, and mm-hmm. so you have to be careful to, to on that. Now, the home doesn't count, but unlike veterans' benefits where we talked about last week, uh, for Medicaid, even though the home doesn't count as an asset, after you die, unless there's an exception to the rules, after you die, the state has a right to make a claim against the home to the extent that Medicaid benefits have been advanced. So we get these letters after, uh, we let's say we help get somebody on Medicaid that says, oh, we paid out $200,000 or $300,000 because cost of care is great. This is why it's so important to try to help get somebody eligible for Medicaid. So then you say, what are the exceptions to Medicaid estate recovery? How do I protect that home so it goes to my loved ones uh, as opposed to the government for repayment of the benefits advance? You know, most people, just like tax laws, you know, most people say, how do I pay less taxes? Mm -hmm. Well, it's the same type of theory for public benefits. Is there a way to protect uh, your assets? And even under our Texas laws uh, on... um, in connection in the estates code, they say, oh, you could change uh, even somebody's will after they de- die for either tax reasons or public benefits reasons. Uh, so there's ways to change a will after that person dies because we think it's important to be able to save on taxes and to get public benefits or not to lose public benefits. So this is, uh, I'd like to think nothing sinister unless you think our Texas uh, state reps and uh, senators are doing something sinister because they're the ones that pass the laws. Sure. So really, we just, just like any type of tax planning, you know, sometimes 
Sometimes people do different types of tax planning to save, pay less taxes. You know, there's all sorts of different trusts that cure it toward the end of the year. You've heard of, some people may have heard of charitable remainder trust. Some people have foundations. Some people have qualified personal residence trust. Some people do things where you take advantage of the, if you're married, you have the unlimited marital exemption uh, as well as you sometimes do some other planning mm-hmm. uh, to save on estate taxes. Uh, there's all sorts of different types of uh, things that people do to especially uh, to save on taxes. Uh, and so similarly, in the elder law world, there are people trying to do different things to protect uh, their assets for their family. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, really what most people want is to protect their family. Uh, so anyway, what are the exceptions to Medicaid estate recovery? Uh, you will get the, the the person, let's say, was in a nursing home or even getting care at home. There are programs for care at home as well. A lot of people are not aware of that, where the government pays for somebody to come to the home. One's called Star Plus. One's a community attendant services. There are certain rules. Every rules of each one of the programs is different. I should mention there's 109 Medicaid programs in Texas, each with their own rules. So uh, that's why it's uh, difficult for uh, even most attorneys to you know keep up with all the different rules for each program. And of course, just like tax laws, the public benefits rules change from time to time as well. So yeah, you know, something you have to stay in touch with uh, if you're in this area. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, uh, what are some of the exceptions to Medicaid estate recovery? Well, if you're married and survived by a spouse, well, that's an exception. And they do not go after the home in Texas even after the death of that surviving spouse, the one that was not on Medicaid, assuming that that person wasn't on Medicaid. Now, if that person was on Medicaid as well, the state could go after the home after the second one dies. Uh, Another exception in the rare situations, uh, uh, if that person had a child who was under, let's say was a minor, or if the child is disabled of any age, Sometimes there's undue hardships too. If you're, if that property, let's say, was, uh, let's say, it was a, uh, I'm not going to say the home. I'm going to say a business, but uh, a business essential for self-support is an, another exempt resource. If the family lives as dependent on their income on that business, then that would be an exception to Medicaid estate recovery. Good, um, but probably the more common things. Uh, that are done in Texas are most usually either a lady bird deed, an enhanced life estate deed, or a transfer on debt deed. Texas is one of three states that allows lady bird deeds. Only three states. Hmm. Now, let me kind of explain what a lady bird deed is. Okay. It's what's called an enhanced life estate deed. So, um, if I uh, if I have a deed, let's say I own my home outright, there was no mortgage, and even if you did have a mortgage, it didn't matter. Um, I own my house outright, and I retain the right to live there and occupy and use that home for life. That is a life estate. Um, so then upon my death, it goes to whoever the grantee is, the one who's the beneficiary. Um that the reason why that's important is if I just had a regular life estate deed that didn't was enhanced was not a ladybird deed, then there would be a transfer penalty. Medicaid has a transfer penalty if you make a transfer within five years 
of applying for Medicaid, where if it's an enhanced life estate deed, the Ladybird deed, there's no transfer penalty because you retain total control. Under Texas law, um, we have a right, we, that being the state government, has a right to go after the home to the extent that Medicaid benefits have been advanced if it goes by your last will and testament or if it goes by intestacy. So if you didn't have a will, intestacy, or if you said the home goes by will or it just says all my property goes to so-and-so, then the state would have a right to make a claim against the home to get the benefits that they paid out. Uh, so we, if you do the, what I'll say, the ladybird deed or a transfer on debt deed, then, um, then it's not going by will. It's not going by intestacy. It's going by deed. And it's independent of the will. Right. It happens no matter what. You can't right. stop it. Right. It's, it's, it supersedes the will. Right. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the, it's very simple, too. Uh, you, after the person dies... You just go to the appraisal. The, let's say the grantee, the kid, typically goes to the appraisal district, shows them the death certificate, said, okay, parents died, now the property's mine. Mm. I had somebody in just uh, yesterday, uh, and the uh, person, okay, I said, look, uh, everything else that they had also would not go through probate. They had, let's say, either a retirement account or they had, we talked about on a car, you can have, which is another exempt resource. And the state has a right to make a claim against that, too. Mm. So similarly to the ladybird deed or the transfer and debt deed, uh, for a car, which also doesn't count, you could have a beneficiary designation through the Department of Motor Vehicles. Mm -hmm. Again, since it's just not going by will or it's not going by intestacy, mm -hmm. it's going by the beneficiary designation, just like an IRA. Right. Or if you had a, let's say you had a term life insurance policy, well, that has a beneficiary. Usually on a life insurance policy, you name your beneficiary. If you have an IRA, you name your beneficiary. In this case, if you have it through the Department of Motor Vehicles, a car, you can have a beneficiary through the certificate of title if you make sure you do that. And here on the most valuable asset that most people have, their home. Remember we said you could have equity limit up to $688,000. The biggest asset that most people have is their home. So if you have the deed, you've now protected the home, unless they change the laws. The state, the government can always change the laws. But it hasn't changed uh, since, well, we first started doing ladybird deeds in Oh, 17 years ago. Mm -hmm. And there's been no movement effect to change it. Amazing. So um, anyway, um, the this is something that uh, even if you're, if, if that's your major and only asset, it could be considered uh, even if you were, Medicaid wasn't even an issue. So uh, on this person that came yesterday, say, look, uh, we might just make it simpler for you and not have to worry about any issues with probate. Uh, because we got these other assets that are going outside of probate. That doesn't mean you shouldn't always, this, I should mention, you have to look at the beneficiary. So don't always just think that you should just put beneficiary designations to avoid probate. Sometimes you want probate. Mm -hmm. Somebody can be disabled. Somebody can have credit issues. There's all sorts of different things. So we had talked to somebody else uh, last week where they had uh, four or five kids and we knew that there's always going to be one center no matter what you did. Mm -hmm. So we said, okay, we'll have a ladybird deed into a trust. 
Now, by the way, uh, we said, we mentioned, why not put the house in a trust to begin with? That avoids probate. Well, if you put it into a revocable trust to begin with, it counts as a resource for Medicaid. Mm. So you can't do that. So revocable trusts are good for a lot of different reasons, but generally it's not good for Medicaid uh, because it counts as a resource. But you could do a ladybird deed where the grantee, the one who receives it, is the trust. So you can name somebody, one kid, let's say, or perhaps two kids in control. So we don't have, even though that other, the dissentering child uh, may be a beneficiary, they're not in control. They'll get their share, but they don't have any say-so. Understood. Or it could be that one of the kids was disabled or had credit issues or was a spendthrift or was having marital problems or had an addiction, all the different types of things that you could do to protect in a trust. So you could do a combination. So it's really if you had your druthers, at least from the planner's perspective, you would prefer that if you did do the ladybird deed uh, that you have a trust as a beneficiary because it gives much more protection. Uh, but a lot of people just don't want to pay extra for doing a trust. And I don't blame them for that. I understand why. Um, I, I have the theater of the mind of Michael in this huge tool shed. And you can go online and use its tool shed. You can ask people their tool shed. You could ask other attorneys their tool shed. But Michael has all the tools to plan your estate, I think, unlike most, if not any other attorney in the state of Texas, including the Lady Bird Deeds, for one example. Um, but you have to hear for yourself and see for yourself, and that is why you need to attend Michael's next workshop. That is in person. It's an estate planning essentials workshop, and that is on Tuesday, January the 24th at 10 o'clock. And Michael simply asks people who attend questions about their individual circumstances regarding their estates or government assistance. Is that right, Michael? Yeah. Well, they'll ask him anything. I mean, mm-hmm. I have no idea what they're going to ask. Who does your hair? Who dresses you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't think I've had those questions yet, but... Right. Uh, they're coming. But they're coming yes. soon. I, I think they're asking for that KAAM coffee. Yes, but, but I'm not, so Where do I get one of those? Exactly. But... Uh, but other than that, it's usually any kind of questions about wills or trust or powers of attorney or their in individual situation mm-hmm. where they um, want to know what can they do to protect their family in a way that they wanted to or their assets. So we never know what the questions are. Doing the workshops for 10 years and every time it's a different, uh, different questions. And they're very successful. Michael's been doing them a very long time, as you know, and you get to ask really any question you want regarding those two essential general topics. And they're free. They're in person versus the pandemic, which they were online. I mean, he will do sometimes, I think, you you do um, Zoom calls or the like. Yeah. And in fact, our last workshop, because the tornado that happened, uh, you you know, there was all those tornadoes recently. Mm -hmm. Uh, We did a a virtual workshop on December the 17th. But normally we do them uh, in person. Mm -hmm. uh, And... We will continue to do that unless COVID gets bad again. No. Uh, I hope it doesn't. No. Uh, and uh, we've been doing them back in person uh, since, I guess, in, since May of earlier of 2022. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll continue to do so. 
Very good. Uh, the, well, let me uh, just talk about the workshop, and, mm-hmm. and that is to sign up for that one on Tuesday, January the 24th at 10 o'clock. Uh, dial 214-720-0102, 214-720-0102, or go to DallasElderLawyer.com, DallasElderLawyer.com to sign up for Michael's workshop, his newsletter, listening to the podcast, which are evergreen programs that you can listen to, where you can look dive deeper and listen harder not be distracted by things while you're listening to the program etc etc and then of course sign up for the workshop to be able to ask more questions because this of course you can ask questions and that's the benefit of the workshops michael we only have two more minutes well go ahead i want to mention that these workshops are free Mm -hmm. uh and so there's no obligation and if you do go that free estate planning essentials workshop you also get a one-hour vision meeting uh, which is also free. So you get three free hours of legal education without any obligation where you could talk about your own situation or you could find about others uh, when you go to the workshop. And I think I think you'll fee- see that it's fun as well. No doubt about it. Michael, one minute left. Final thoughts on Medicaid, Lady Bird Deeds, and Transfer on Death Deeds. Yeah, I didn't go into the Transfer on Death Deeds. There are some different issues that are sometimes are beneficial because uh, you could have contingent beneficiaries uh, usually we recommend the Ladybird deed because of various uh, problems with transfer on debt deeds, mm-hmm. but it's not to say that wouldn't work for Medicaid estate recovery. Uh, perhaps another show will go through the different issues uh, about the differences uh, between the two. And there are many issues. It's not just those three topics, but there are 300, 3,000 topics that we can ask about, and Michael will answer at the next workshop again, which is uh, Tuesday the 24th at 10 o'clock. Sign up for that workshop today. You won't regret it. The holiday season is is now. Uh, you're going to meet with siblings to talk about parents and planning and the like. Uh, this is a good time to talk to your siblings and then attend Michael's next workshop. So do so. Dial 214-720-0102 or go to DallasElderLawyer.com. Our Dallas Elder Lawyer, Michael Cohen. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you, Don. The record shows I took the blows and did it Leading estate planner practicing law for decades in Dallas, Texas, Michael Cohen is ready to educate you about the Texas and federal laws. The next step to that end is to attend his next workshop by going to his website, which is DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com and sign up for that free estate planning essentials workshop. Or you can also call him by dialing 214-720-0102. That's 214-720-0102. A talk show host on KAAM for eight years now, Michael Cohen is the person you want to evaluate what could currently be a rather insufficient estate plan. Make certain that is not the case and that it is created and completed your way by signing up for his next free workshop today.